Hello, you're listening to episode 11 of the podcast for Word of Life in Bentonville, Arkansas. We're so glad you could tune in today to hear what Pastor Bill has to say about what time is it. What a timely message that will encourage you, lift you up, and help you live the life that Jesus Christ has for you. Enjoy. I want to talk this morning about... What time is it? Everybody do like this. What time is it? What time is it? There's an old song back in the hippie era. Time keeps on ticking. A lot of you don't know anything about the hippie era. I seen it trying to be reborn a couple days ago. A lady with these big bell-bottom pants on, you know, thinking, oh, good grief. Please, not again. I went through all of that, you know, the bell bottoms, the leisure suits, the, what what were they made out of? Polyester. Polyester, yeah, all that polyester stuff. Those platform shoes. Yeah, I went through that era. I know a lot of you thought, plat- what, what? Oh, it was wonderful. But I'm so glad it was over with, too. It was so good we were rejoiced when it was over with. But I want to talk about, first of all, just a little bit about time to really set up something else I want to talk about. Ecclesiastes 3 says, for everything there is a purpose and a time. And it goes on and talks about a time to be born, a time to die, a time, time for this, a time for that. We're dictated to by time. Time sets boundaries for us. Get up, child. Do you know what time it is? It's time to go to work. It's time to go to school. Some woke up this morning and said, somebody said, it's time to go to church. And they said, again, we went last month. Time. It does. It sets boundaries for us. The earth operates on a time schedule. The earth, as we know it, the world that, that we know, operates on a time schedule of one week. The Bible says a day is as a thousand years. From Adam to Noah was 2,000 years or two days. From Noah to Christ was 2,000 years or two days. From Christ until now, it's been 2,000 years, which is the end of 6,000 years. We are entering into the seventh day, the seventh day. And what will happen to this earth, some people believe that the earth will be completely destroyed, done away with. Not so. But as we know it, it will be destroyed and rebuilt. Amen? Completely redone. As a matter of fact, Scripture bears out that most of the vegetation on this earth is going to be burned up. Most of the population, maybe not most, one place the Bible talks about one-third of the population dying Another place that talks about half of the population dying. There's some terrible times coming. 
you think COVID is bad, you don't want to be here during that time. If this stresses you out, you ain't seen nothing yet. People will beg to die and won't be able to. They'll want to die and can't. It'll be that bad. But there's a way out. Look at your neighbor and tell them there is a way out. That seventh day, Christ is going to reign. The earth will be at rest as we know it. There will be no wars. At the end of that thousand years or that seventh day, Satan will be released again for a time. And then he'll be shut away forever. Thank God for that. Revelation says that time will be no more. See, eternity doesn't know time. Eternity, time means nothing to eternity. God always has been and he always will be. It really is mind-boggling to the highly educated people who are supposed to be of great wisdom on this earth when they ask, well, where did God come from? Well, he always has been. It's hard, for, hard to swallow. Why? Because they have to have facts and they have to be able to prove things. There are some things about God you just have to accept by faith. He always has been. He always will be. And I might just add this to you that are listening online or sitting here this morning. You always will be. You always will be. You're born into this earth. You're going you're gonna to live on forever. Somewhere. For sure. So where are we in time? Well, we're at the end of the sixth day, entering into the seventh day, but you'll look with me and I think they're going to put it on the overhead I think they're only going to put one verse on the overhead and I want to read three verses from Matthew chapter 24 verse 1 Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple and Jesus said to them do you not see all these things assuredly I say to you not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Let me pause here a minute and say, I believe it was like 70 years afterwards from this time, the enemies came in and completely destroyed that city, Jerusalem. Tore down all of the the walls. See, the walls were built out of these big, huge stones, square stones. And... The, the Jews had hidden gold in between the rocks, and so the enemy are tearing those rocks apart to get to the gold and the silver. And so they took every rock down, just like Jesus predicted, 70 years from this time. Going on to verse 3, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and, then, and, and of the end of the age. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then if you read on through 24, chapter 24 and chapter 25 of Matthew, he really answers their questions. You might take note, though, that most all Bible scholars will tell you that 24, Matthew 24 and 25 is written to Israel, to the Jews, not to us, the church. Now, there's a lot of parallels, but 
it's written, it's more directed at the Jews, to the Jews. So if you get a little confused, just remember that. But I'm going to also say, he's, they're saying, what will be the sign? The sign there is the authenticating mark, the guarantee, the absolute proof. What are we going to see that we positively will know the end is on us? What will we see? And then when he talks about the end, they use the word end, that's the conclusion, the culmination, the finish, the wrap-up. When, what will we see when things are going to wrap up and be over with? Of course, back to the word, the word in the New King James is age. In the King James, it's world, but it's actually age is much better. That era, what, what will be the end of the era, that we're, the age that we're living in? If, you, if you're traveling, if you're taking your kids to Orlando to a water park, for example, I don't know this for certain, but let's say you're 500 miles from Orlando and the sign says Orlando, 500 miles. And you drive a ways, a few hours, and the sign says Orlando, 300 miles, 200 miles. Signs 100 miles, another sign 50 miles, another sign 25 miles, another sign 12 miles, another sign 2 miles. Then finally, you get to this big sign that says Orlando City Limits. See, we're, we're, we're traveling in time. Time does keep on ticking, and we are traveling in time, through time. And as the end of this age comes, <clears throat> things get quicker. More signs, much more quicker, many more things happening. I believe it was in the decade of the 90s that I heard two or three reports that there had been more storms, earthquakes, violence on this earth in that 10-year decade than there had been the previous 100 years. Things are moving much quicker. Technology is causing us to move much quicker. I recently got a new iPhone, a 12. <clears throat> Lord, I didn't even know how to work the 7. <laughs> and it took days and lots of help and some of the people that are a little more techy around here than I am helping me to understand, get th- help me get things set up. All to find out that every, just about everything I had on the 7, I've got on the 12. I mean, the 12 was on the 7. They do say the camera's a little better. Well, I seldom use the camera. I mean, who wants to take... You're not going to see me taking pictures of myself, posting them on Facebook. When you're this ugly, you just don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Technology is moving along. We're moving much quicker. Break it down to my generation and the way I think. I love to watch drag races. I have openly confessed that my greatest sin in life is speeding. Yeah, maybe the greatest. I'm trying to think for there for a minute. I love to drive fast. I love, I love to drag race. I love to take off fast. I have to watch myself. If I pull up to a stoplight and there's especially another truck sitting there beside mine, I have to be real careful. You kind of want to look, you know, I remember when I was a kid, you would kind of want to look at, at over him, over at him, and then you just kind of look at him, and then you look straight ahead. He knows what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. 
And by the way, <clears throat> there is at least one Chevy truck in town that will outrun my Dodge truck. I'll just confess that to you. We have policemen in the audience, so I'll just leave it at that, okay? At least in an eighth of a mile or so. My point is that I love to watch drag races. And when I was young, the drag races were a quarter of a mile. And even those, even those, I lost the name of them, rail cars. They run the quarter of a mile and they were up to over 200 miles an hour in a quarter of a mile. They had to reduce the drag strip to an eighth of a mile, half that distance now. And those same cars are now running the eighth of a mile quicker than the cars back then were running it a quarter of a mile. Faster, I mean, the speed was faster than they are. They were then at a quarter of a mile. Did I say that right? Did I get that all out? My point is, they're much quicker. Much quicker. I mean, it's amazing. I love to watch them, but it's it's just amazing to me. You know, I had I had these cars. They had two hundred, two hundred fifty horsepower. They're generating 1,000 horsepower, 1,200 horsepower, maybe more than that. I don't know. It's amazing. Things are moving much quicker. And for a guy that operates my speed, it seems like everything's leaving me (laughs) personally. You understand what I'm saying? As, as, As you approach the city limits, the signs get closer. The closer to a city that you get, the more signs that, that are seen. The closer we get to the end of time, the more signs are seen. In Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to turn there. They're going to put this on the screen. But I'm going to read again. You know, sometimes I give them the scripture and then I decide later, well, I'm going to do something a little different. In Acts chapter 2, this is the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 17, Peter's preaching. They think everybody's drunk. They've been filled with the Spirit. They think everybody, he says they're not drunk, verse 15. Verse 16, but this is that, what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes from the Old Testament, the book of Joel. And this will come to pass in the last days says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I must be an old man. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I want to read on because just to see something here. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. So he's quoting from Joel, and he's again announcing some things that will happen in the last in the last days. There's an announcement. We're 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 beginning. See, he's saying we have entered into the last days. Well, that was two thousand years ago. But if you look at if you look at the time schedule of the earth, we've already, he's, they've already lived, they've already gone past four days, so they're living into the, they're going into the fifth and sixth day. And so he can count it, he can consider it the last days. 
if, if you think about, think about it this way, if you watch football, know anything about football, I've just about completely shut off. I've not watched any professional football. Everybody give me a hand clap for that, would you? Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> because when sports gets political, I'm out of there. Anyway, if, if you watch football, they have two halves. They take a break at half. They actually have four quarters. But at halftime, they take a break. And when they come back on the field for the third quarter, they're actually, they've peaked out and they've started. And, and so they, they could say, we're, we're going to finish out the game now. We've started toward the finish line, the second half. And, and especially then when they get down to the fourth quarter, okay. And things start getting more intense. Uh, people start complaining more about referee calls. People start, guys start hitting a little harder. Uh, they get pepped up. They get revved up on the sideline. You go back out there, you need to, and they, we call it jacked up. They get jacked up over on the sidelines. They go out on the field and they're hitting, they're hitting a little harder. They're running a little harder. They're, they're, it's a lot more intense. But when it really gets intense is when they announce the two-minute warning. Before the game is over, for those of you that don't follow football, so I'll speak to my wife right now. Honey, at the end of the game, two minutes before the end of the game, they announce the two-minute warning. You only have two minutes left in the game. That's when things really get intense. I want to announce to you today, I don't know when Jesus is coming. But I believe we've entered into the two-minute warning. I believe we're close. In the, in the spectrum of time, you know, I don't know if that's a year, 10 years, 50 years. But I believe we're very close. I, I've thought this most of my life, actually. I've thought it can't get any worse than it is. Now, for the Christian, it continues to get better. But for the world, it's just how many would agree? It's just crazy out there. You better be filled with the Spirit. You better learn how to walk in peace. <laughs> you better learn how to be nice because if you're not, somebody's going to take offense to you and they're just, everybody's so on edge. They're just so on edge. And you think, how could it get any worse? Well, as I admitted, I felt that way a lot, a lot of times in my life. So perhaps it could but I believe that we're near the end. And I want to make an announcement to you this morning because I want to go into the final portion of what I want to talk about this morning. We are the end time team of the body of Christ. We are. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. We, we are. We are. The two-minute warning has been sounded. It's been announced. It's been announced. We're the end-time team. We've been called, just as Esther was, for such a time as this. Don't be afraid. Don't get into fear. COVID's not going to destroy us. I'm not saying it's not taking lives, but it's not going to completely destroy us. Don't get into fear. 
Don't be afraid. What's coming next? I can tell you one thing. We live in a bubble. We live in a Holy Ghost bubble. I mean, say amen. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or next week, but I know one thing. I live in a bubble. I'm protected. I'm taken care of. How about you? Amen. I have nothing to fear, as someone said, except fear itself. So we've been called for such a time as this. It's never been more important to discover our calling, to get in our place, and apply ourselves to his work and his purpose. If you're going to do it, you better do it now. I mean, say amen. It's an exciting time, actually. It's an exciting time. A couple of times this year, I don't know about you, but when I'm about half awake early in the morning, not ready to get up, but about half awake, that's when it's easy to be attacked. And I've had a couple of attacks of fear. Fear. But I learned a long time ago, and what I do is I may ponder it for a second, but I think, hold it. I just start announcing. Sometimes it's just mental thoughts. But when it really begins to work for me is when I open up my mouth and I begin to announce. I have nothing to fear. Satan, you will not overtake me. We sang this morning, I'm free. You know, how many, sometimes you'd like to do that. Just shake it off. Shake it off. It's an exciting time. But Ephesians 5.16 says we need to redeem the time. Romans 13.11. I believe it's on the screen. Where it says, it is high time to wake out of sleep. High time... High time is to, without delay, is what that means. It's time to wake out of sleep. I'm speaking to you this morning. I'm speaking to people that are watching online. And I would say to the church at large, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Why? Why? Give me a good reason. Okay, I will. Glad you ask. Romans 14, 10. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 explains that a little better. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may, re- may receive the things done in his body according to that which he has done, that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Every one of us are going to stand before Christ. Now, It is my belief that if you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you will not be cast out. I grew up thinking that you could be. This is not the great white throne judgment, which is for the unsaved. This is for the sinner or for the Christian. But we are going to give an account for what we do with our life. That judgment seat, or it's called the Bema place. The Bema place was somewhat like the platform that I'm standing on, where a person would come and stand, and judgment 
good or bad, but judgment was pronounced on them. They were given awards. They were given gifts. This is what you receive. This person, and if you were there in the audience, you could add to or you could even say something bad about the person. Yeah, but. But at the end of all of that being said, then you were awarded at the Bema seat. They even used this area for the selling of slaves. And slaves were inspected. The Bema seat is a place of inspection. So we're all going to stand before God one day and we're going to be inspected. We're going to be looked at and said, this this is what happened. This is what you've done with your life. And this is what you're going to be rewarded, how you're going to be rewarded. We're all going to stand there one day. I know it's not talked about a lot. Again, I think some of the reason is because a lot of people have the, the belief that they could be cast out or they could be put down or condemned. It's not a place really to condemn. It is a place of reward. You see, soon... Soon, everything is going to pass away. All of the things that we hold so dear in life is going to be gone. Your new car, your home, your bank account, all of that, it's going to be gone. Amen? It won't amount to anything. In eternity, the dollars that Beverly and I have in our bank account who cares in eternity our house who cares in eternity all the shoes that she owns <laughs> who cares <laughs> by the way I learned how to get along I don't care either <laughs> you need a, another room added on to hold your shoes we'll build it <laughs> no it's not it's not quite that bad <laughs> but everything's going to pass away and only what's done for Jesus is going to last. So ask yourself, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my life? What am I doing for others? What am I doing for the God's kingdom? What am I doing for God's kingdom? See, life's not all about growing up, going to school, getting an education, going off to college, getting more education or more indoctrination nowadays. It's not about that. Raising kids, going to work, making money, going to work, getting up, going to work, coming home, eating, going to sleep. It's, that's, that's, that's all a part of it. We all do that, and that's fine. God doesn't care, by the way. God doesn't care how many shoes you own. He doesn't care. <clears throat> He doesn't care what you drive. He doesn't care if you have a limousine. He doesn't care if you have a mansion. He doesn't care about all that. He doesn't care if you have millions or even billions of dollars. He doesn't care. Just don't, listen, he don't care what you have. He just don't want stuff, he don't care how much stuff you have. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. Amen. When stuff starts having you and you start being more interested in your stuff than you are God in the kingdom of God, then your stuff is your God. So let me ask you again, what are you doing for the kingdom of God? See, this is something I ask myself quite regularly. 
those days, especially those days when I think, you know, I think I'll just chill a while. Huh. No, it's not time to chill. I've gotten words from several people in the last two or three years. It's not time to slow down. It's time the pace is going to pick up. I was recently invited to be a part of a group. And I said to them that asked me, I don't really have time to do that. The next day in prayer, the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, said to me, you need to make time to do that. So I repented to them. I repented and said, I'll do it. I'll do it. I wanted to say, I don't have time to do that, but I have time. I have time to do a lot of other things, so I have time to do that. Especially if it's for my neighbor or for God. I mean, say amen. Because again, <clears throat> I'm going to stand on a Bema place one day, and I'm going to be judged, and I'm going to be rewarded. Now, quite honestly, I can say this now because I don't know exactly what that'll be. It's not that reward that drives me and makes me want to do things for God. It's his love for me. And really, if you have any other attitude about it, that's wrong. You should only do it. It's not the reward I'm after. It's, it's the love of God. It's the, it's the, because he loved me so much. And I understand that the more I understand his love for me, the more I love him, the more I want to do. You see, being born again, being a Christian is not about doing. I mean, no, we're human beings, not human doings. And we can't work our way into heaven. We can't work our way into salvation. But I can tell you one thing. If you really understand what God's done for you, it will drive you to want to do something for him and others. I mean, say amen. So what am I doing with my life? What am I doing for others? What am I doing for God's kingdom? Now, if you're a little bit convicted right now, that's good. I'm spot on then if you're a little convicted. I'm doing a good job. Whether you tell me after church or not, I'm doing a good job if you're convicted. Because how many know that the Holy Spirit convicts? Jesus said when he comes, he's going to convict. He, he convicts me. He convicts me. He convicted me two or three times this week. It's kind of an ongoing conversation. You know, it's kind of, don't do that anymore do this over here. It's kind of a convicting thing. So if you're sitting here and you're a little under conviction now and you're kind of feeling like maybe I need to get busy for the kingdom of God, let me give you three things you might want to remember. What do I do? Number one, repent. Sitting right where you are, you don't have to say a word to us, just repent to God. I repent. I, I, I repent. I see a, the error of my ways. Repent actually means just turn and go the other direction. You know, people say, well, we need to repent of our sins. Well, I don't know that, I don't know that being a little lazy is necessarily what we'd call a sin, but how many know sometimes we have to repent of it? How many say amen? Getting, getting focused on stuff too much. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a big sin, but, 
But sometimes it's something we have to repent of. We just turn away from that and go the other way. That's what repent means. Number two, determine in your heart, determine in your heart, sitting right where you are, I'm going to change. I'm going to, I'm going to, I've repented. I'm going, I, I am determined. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to do what God lays on my heart to do. I'm going to do more for other people and more for the kingdom of God than I've been doing. Now, see, for me, this is really elementary, but I have to do it. You know, it's easy for me to sit in a, in a auditorium uh, with other people and say, yeah, I should do that. But if I don't determine to do it, and I don't tell God I'll do it, you know, once I put my word out, I don't like to break my word. And I have to determine I'm going to do it. Things, most of us in this room, probably God has laid things on our heart and told us to do things in the past that we didn't do. Maybe like me recently, because I said, I just don't have enough time. And I've just encouraged you, determine I am going to do it. Some of you, it's a small thing. Some of you, it's a kind of a large thing to you. Sometimes God will stretch you. I mean, say amen. He'll stretch you. But you have to be determined, not just to repent, but you have to be determined. I'm going to, and then number three is, then follow through. And the sooner you do it, the better. Because if you're like me, and most of you are. If I put it off, every time I put it off a little bit, it gets easier to put off. And eventually, I look back and say, I never did change. I was going to, but I just didn't do it. How many can say amen? amen? Thank you. Why do I need to do that? So that one day, one day I can stand at the Bema seat and hear him say, well done. Amen. Well done, good and faithful servant. Because as one man said, he's not going to lie for any of us. If it's not been well done, he won't say it. I want to hear him say, well done. Amen. Amen. Jesus gave his all. What should I do? Now, it's true. John George said it, and it is true. I don't owe God anything. I don't, I, don't really have, I don't really owe him anything. I have eternal life. It's a free gift. And how many know if something's free, you don't owe anything for it? But then on the same turn, I would like to say this. I feel like I owe him my all. He gave his all. How about you? Y'all are getting quiet on me. And I hope that's good. Amen. Because I want to hear him say, and I want you to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Romans 13, 11, it's high time to wake out of sleep. Father, I thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your word. Well, wasn't that a great episode? I sure hope you enjoyed it. I hope it enriched your life. I hope it is helping you live a life better after the love of Jesus Christ. If you enjoyed it, I want you to make sure you click on that subscribe button. Also, you can go to our website, WLFAR.com, and click on the Give button and help support what God is doing in our region. God bless you.